we don't typically, we don't, uh, a book of the Bible we don't typically preach on, and that's the Psalms. And if I'm honest, uh, I'm looking at the Psalms this Sunday because I was, um, I guess you could say, encouraged by Bishop Foley's uh, sermon on the Psalm the other day, and I thought it's probably a good idea that we kind of preach on more of the total counsel of the Scripture. So preaching on the Psalms and those other things that we're a little bit more reluctant to touch on. So we're going to actually... Uh, do our responsive reading. Usually we do it in the middle, and some of you may have noticed that we didn't do it. We're going to do our responsive reading for the sermon, because we're going to be preaching on the psalm text, Psalm 66, verses 1 through 12. But before I get there, I want to lay out the main idea, kind of the heading where we're going with the sermon. And the main idea is this, that the basis of our joy is is God's faithfulness and his promises to us. Amen? That's the basis of our joy, is God's faithfulness and his promises to us. To us, And so we're going to read this together uh, collectively as we do in the middle of the sermon, but we're doing it, I mean, the middle of the uh, uh, service, but we're doing it for the sermon. And so shout for joy to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious, say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power that your enemies cringe before you, all the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Let's say that last, day, that last um, verse all together again. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water but you brought us to a place of abundance. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me, friends. Father, this morning, my prayer for us as we come to your word together is that indeed, Lord, in your mercy and in your grace, Father, you would let the way this psalm ends resonate in our hearts as both truth from your word and as lived experience. My prayer, God, is that as we talk about finding the basis of our joy and your past faithfulness and your future promises, Lord God, that it would not just be intellectual, but, God, that you would make it very real and tangible in our lives. May we grab on to hope May you apply your resurrection power, your resurrection life, Father, to the parts of our faith and our hope that may not be thriving. May we believe and may we experience the glory and the honor of your name. Thank you for hearing us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you'll go to that, that picture slide for me, Margot. Um, this slide is going to make sense, but I looked for the picture of a silversmith. I just put in famous silversmith, 
And the first person that came up, well, the only person that came up over and over again is a Spanish from Spain, a Spanish silversmith who, ironically, his name is Jesus. So his name is Jesus uh, from Spain. He's a famous silversmith. And um, we're going to this is all going to make make sense in a second. But the story is told of a group of women that met for Bible study. And while they were studying the book of Malachi, chapter three, they came across verse three, which says he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And this verse puzzled the women and they wondered how this statement applied to the character and the nature of God. And one of the women offered to find out more about the process of of refining silver and then she would get back to the group at their next Bible study. So the following week, the woman called up a silversmith and she asked if if she could just come and watch him work. And she did this without telling him the reason for her interest beyond curiosity about the process of refining silver. And as she watched a silversmith work, he held a piece of silver over the fire in order to let it heat up. And he explained as he worked that in refining silver, he needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest so as to burn away all of the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse, he sits as a refiner and as a purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the entire time that the silver was being refined. And the man answered, yes, that not only did he have to sit there holding the fire, holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on it the entire time it was in the fire. He told her that if the fire, I mean, if the silver was left even one moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, but how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, well, that's easy when I see myself in it. In our passage this morning, the psalmist used the same illustration of the refiner's fire when he says in verse 10, For you, O God, tested us, and you refined us like silver. But what's interesting about the use of this illustration in this particular psalm is that this isn't the way the psalm starts. The psalm starts with a a declaration of praise. He says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Now, brothers and sisters, if we're honest with ourselves, we're very often we're not. We let whatever is difficult at the moment cloud our entire perspective on God, on life. But if we are honest, we all have a good deal to shout for joy about. God has been good to us. He has granted us life. He woke us up again this morning. He's provided for us both things we need and a lot of the things we want, if we're honest. But here's another true thing. Life is hard. Life is pretty hard. I have spent a great deal with so many of 
you here. Recently, Drew mentioned how my calendar was filled with lunches and dinners from people in the church. And, and if I'm honest, I just felt led by the Lord to just be with our people a little more than usual. And as I've been with you, as we've had you to our home for dinner, as we've gone out to coffee, as we've gone out to lunch, as we've had phone, text, and email conversations, the one thing that I've learned is that so many of us are going through it. A lot of us are just having a very difficult time right now. And our experience can easily be compared to being held in the flames of the refiner's fire. Sometimes we feel like that piece of metal. Or maybe it's just me. We just read the story of how hot and demanding the process of trying silver in fire is and It doesn't seem like it would make sense for the silver to shout for joy for having gone through or to be going through such a difficult process. So as I read the text, the question I had is how in the world can the psalmist shout for joy for having been held in the flames of the refiner's fire? For having been put through the hot and severe flames that are required to purify silver of its impurities. And the question I have for us this morning is that in the difficult seasons so many of us find ourselves in, how in the world can we shout for joy when all we want to do is cry out in agony? Well, I think the psalmist gives us a little bit of hope here. Because I think what the psalmist, do is, the psalmist does is key to what we have to do when we find ourselves wanting to cry out in agony rather than shout in praise. And it's this, the psalmist recalls God's past faithfulness through trying times. In verses 5 and 6, the psalmist says, he says, Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. And what the psalmist is referring to is the parting of the Red Sea, that very famous story that we're all familiar with. If you remember the story, the Israelites were home free, right? Moses had gone back and forth with Pharaoh. Pharaoh, let my people go. No or yes, but psych, back and forth. But finally, at this point, they are home free. They plundered the Egyptians and they left with their heads held high. But then, right when they thought they were all good, here comes the Egyptians again. Pursuing the Israelites, once again refusing to let the people of God go free. And then the the Israelites quickly lose hope. Listen to what they say to Moses when the Egyptians are closing in on them in Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. They say, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. 
hemmed in on all sides with the mighty Egyptian army at their backs and the great Red Sea before them, the Israelites realize that there is no way out. They determine that they are doomed. But God. But God. But God, being who he is, splits the sea so that the Israelites escape on dry ground and the Egyptians are drowned. So now every time Israel finds themselves in a predicament that seems hopeless, every time Israel realizes that there is no way out, they can look back at the story of the parting of the Red Sea and be reminded that they serve the God who makes ways out of no way. They could look back from the very predicament they find themselves in at any given time and rejoice because they know that the God who did it once can most surely do it again. Brothers and sisters, if you find it difficult to rejoice in your current circumstances, look back to God's past faithfulness. Be reminded of the God who split the Red Sea. Be reminded of the God who defeated an army of thousands with only 300 men. Be reminded of the God who raised dead people back to life. Be reminded of the God who he he himself sat in a grave for three days and then rose victorious. Be reminded, brothers and sisters, of the last time that you said there was no way you were going to make it through this time, that there was no way you could make it another day that there was no way you could make it another minute and be reminded that you are still here right now because God made a way and then rejoice rejoice Shout for joy because you can be right in the middle of the mess you find yourself right now and know that the God who did it once can most assuredly do it again. But get this. God's not just faithfulness to bring us through. As we look back, we, like the psalmist, can see that God is also using the mess using the fire to forge his image in us. I love the part of the story where the the silversmith tells the woman that he knows that the silver is ready when he can see himself in it. Brothers and sisters, it may seem like you've been in the fire for too long. I know it feels like he's been holding you there too long, but I think And I believe that God loves us too much to take us out of the fire one second before he knows we're ready. But here's the tough part. Let me just give you the real, honest, and hard truth because here's what we know. Sometimes things don't work out the way they did last time. Sometimes there's not a healing. Sometimes there isn't a restoration. But friends, when this is the case, don't despair. Because after we've looked back and recall God's past faithfulness, we can still rejoice as we look ahead to his future promises. 
In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will be with me where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas, not, not doubting Thomas, as we've called him, but twin Thomas, as Jesus called him. You were here a few weeks ago. That was from the sermon. How many of you guys remember that? Amen. Twin Thomas asked, he says, but where are you going? And for me, this question is important because what Thomas and the disciples don't realize when Jesus is saying this is that he is telling them that he's going to die. What they don't realize that he is telling them is that he is about to be hoisted up on a cross and executed. And essentially what he's telling them is that this story is not going to go quite the way they think it will. And everything that Jesus says after this is to assure them that even though things will not go quite the way they think it will, hold on. Keep on keeping on. Keep trusting because even though it's not going to go the way they think it will, it is going to be better than they could have ever imagined. In the book of Hebrews, after the writer speaks of the incredible lives of faith of all of these heroes in the Bible, he ends by saying this in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 through 40. He says, these were all commended for their faith, all of these heroes of the Bible, yet none of them received what was promised. Since God had planned for them something better, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Friends, the reality is that this life will never turn out exactly the way we desire. This life will never look like we want it to on this side of the heaven. And this is because we are heading to a home, brothers and sisters, that is not of this world. We are heading to a life that is eternal and completely apart from this one right here. So friends, disappointment will come. Trouble will come. Death will come. But our hope is that Jesus is preparing for us a home so that we cry along with the Apostle Paul in Romans 8:18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Rejoice, brothers and sisters. Shout for joy, brothers and sisters, even if you are like our psalmist, finding yourselves in the flames of the refiner's fire. Lean on the faithfulness of God who will not leave us nor forsake us. Shout for joy, brothers and sisters, because we know that whatever we face on this side of heaven, we have a promise of far greater things than we can imagine in the life to come. Rejoice and shout for joy because he has been faithful. And he promises to remain faithful.
Let's pray. Father, again, I come before you saying thank you so much for your word. But I keep in mind, Lord, that your word goes out to many heavy hearts who look at it and say, I want that to be true. Let that be true for me. And God, I pray that you hear the cry of my heart that you would do that work that only you can do, that it will be in every way a tangible, undeniable, let me build my life on it truth in our hearts this morning. Please, Lord God, would you be merciful to hear us. In Jesus' name.